Thank you, family and friends, RLC family and friends, uh, here and online for uh, connecting and joining us today. Uh, I want to share something with you before we get to the message. Uh, I have been, as we all are, we're seeing all the things that are going on in the world, in our, our country, in our cities, in our, our, our world, uh, and just, you know, it can be troubling. But the Bible says, fear not, all right? And, and it tells us that because if we really do look to and trust in God more than anything or anyone else, then we don't have to have any fear. The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with, that soundness of mind, because our minds race, because of all the stuff we hear, we take in, we see, we're exposed to. And yet we need to realize that no matter what we hear, what we see, what we're exposed to, God is greater. And our heavenly Father wants to give us everything that pertains to life and godliness, wants to give us his kingdom, wants us to be an anomaly in this world, that in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the anxiety and the instability, that you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, would be rock solid. Because in our world, people that aren't shaken by all this and, and carried away in all the drama, people look at and wonder, why aren't you upset? Why aren't you afraid? Why aren't you? I don't have to be. Because I don't trust in all the other things. I trust in one. His name is Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his heavenly father and my heavenly father has chosen to give us every good gift. Amen. Man, why would we be afraid? There's an old, old comic. It was a book too. Some of you don't know anything about it because you're not old enough. But I definitely am. It was called Mad Magazine. And Alfred E. Newman would always say, what, me worry? You know what? He had it right. We don't have to worry. We can worship because of who our God is and what he'll do. Amen? So I, I want to share something with you this morning before we get into the message. And it's a couple of scriptures that have just been continuing to roll over in me. And uh, the first one is out of Romans. This won't be on the screens. I, I already pre-warned the team up there. Uh, so they weren't scurrying around and wondering what I had missed. But in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14 in the New Living Translation, it says this. This is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. True. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds of dirty, dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. 
calls it armor because we're in a battle. But we're in a battle that's already been won. You, as a child of God, are part of the army of God. And you're the victorious army. It goes on to say, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and immoral living or quarreling and jealousy. So it's basically saying, don't act like the world. But we are surrounded and at times we're saturated by the things the world would say, this is the way it should be. But as Christ followers, Christians, we cannot just adjust how we live and what we believe according to what's popular or what's being yelled the loudest. We have to stay firm on the solid rock of God's word. It ends up with this. Instead, close yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourselves think about ways to indulge your desires. So this is an exhortation of what God says in these days. Don't be afraid, but no, we've got to make a decision. Who and what are we going to follow? What are we, where are we going to put our stake in? What are we going to stand on? Because there are all sorts of voices out there saying this is right and this is right and this is right and this is right. But there's only one place we can find truth, and that's God's word. And so we're, we're these soldiers. And you know, when you're a soldier, it doesn't mean you just show up for the parades, for the cheers. As a matter of fact, there's a story of a little boy and his father that were, were watching a 4th of July parade, watching all the, the soldiers pass by in their, their uniforms and, and all the things that were celebrating uh, what, what has been accomplished and the freedom that we have. And the little boy looked up at his dad and he says, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be one of them. He said, you want to be one of what? I want to be a soldier. And he was just so excited about that. And his father just nodded his head because as someone who understood the bigger picture, he understood that what the little boy wanted was not the whole picture. That these people that were in shiny, clean, bright uniforms, smiles on their faces, were also the ones that would experience war and sacrifice and a cost beyond all the, the cheers and the accolades and the affirmation of that moment. And I will tell you, as the army of the Lord... It's not just about the parades. We're going to be in parades. A victorious, glorious parade. But there's a cost. Not for salvation. Salvation, we know the Bible tells us, is a gift given by God. But once we are part of the family of God, the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, 
there's a price each one of us has the opportunity to pay. And you might say, well, gosh, you know, I, I, I don't want to have to pay too big a price. I want you to understand this. One of the principles of the word of God and the kingdom of God is you, I, we can never outgive God. You know, Pastor Jeremy read that plaque and it talked about God not forgetting our labor of love. God never forgets. And God always rewards. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And whatever you give up for God and for his kingdom will be multiplied. The Bible tells us multiply back many times over in this lifetime and the lifetime to come. Don't forget this isn't all there is to life. There's an eternity waiting beyond this part of life. And it is, this is going to be an obvious statement, so much longer than this part. But many times we as Christians live for this part of life that the Bible compares to the smoke that comes off a candle when it's blown out. It's that short-lived. So don't live for this life. Live as people who are looking forward to eternity, but investing in the here and now. Amen? God, God is, is so good. It also, one of the other scriptures come from Thessalonians and says that the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. And that used to bother me greatly because I don't like surprises. And speaking of surprises, last week was a real surprise. And I am very awkward, as if you didn't know. I'm very awkward when things like that happen. And so I, I just want to thank you so much for being so kind to Debbie and me. And, and so loving and so generous and so patient. Um, Debbie and I are the most blessed people here because we truly, we have been allowed the honor and the privilege of getting to know you, that there'd be no other way that we would ever come to know you or be a part of your life except for God allowing us the honor and the privilege of, of serving him and serving you. And uh, we are so grateful. I will tell you this, and I've told this to some of you individually. But in teaching about the kingdom of God being a treasure, it's a deposit that enriches and enhances and elevates our lives. Uh, you, you have been a great treasure from God to us. You have enriched, enhanced, and elevated our lives. And so I just, on behalf of Debbie and I, I want to thank you for just always being who you are and being the great, great blessing you are. Thank you. But the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. And it's, it's we, we many times I talk to Christians who say, you know, I, I don't want to be surprised. I don't want to be left behind. I, I, I don't know when it's coming because the Bible says you, no one knows the day or the hour. Is that right? And so we, number one, should always be ready for the return of the Lord. And he is closer today than he was yesterday. But, but the thing that we need to realize is that we are sons and daughters of the light, of the day. 
And we will not be surprised, for the Word of God tells us that we will know. And, and when I, I think about that, I have thought, Lord, how are we going to know? If no one knows the day or the hour, how are we going to know? And how many of you have, have seen the geese that pass over at this time of the year? Who lets them know when it's time to go? Exactly. God's put that in them. If God cares about the geese to let them know that it's time for them to go, how many of you believe that he loves us more and will let us know when it's time to go? I want you to put aside any concern that you will not know. You will know. And that will be something that we, we, we can count on because God, God isn't into surprising for the sake of surprise. He wants us prepared. And now is the time to do it. And that's why I'm teaching on what I'm teaching about the kingdom of God. That's really one of the foundational principles that is throughout the word of God. It's all about the kingdom of God and the king of the kingdom and of his ways and his will, which is his word. And if we are part of a new kingdom going into eternity to a kingdom that is eternal, that the Bible says cannot be shaken, then we should be preparing for this right now. And this morning we're going to start again in the parables that Jesus spoke to his disciples. But before we do, let's just pray if you bow your heads. Heavenly Father, you are our Father. That causes us to recognize we're not alone. And it's not just you that we're connected with. We're connected with our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So, Father, we look to you and listen for you because your word says we don't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Father, as I speak your word today, thank you for the privilege and honor of addressing your bride, Lord, your body, your army. That, Father, we would prepare, be prepared and thoroughly fortified for being who you have for us to be in these days and doing what you have for us to do to see souls come into the kingdom and the body of Christ built up. Lord, we thank you. We thank you today that your presence here is, is a gift to us. But Father, we choose to listen and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us, the church that we can affirm the things that you've told us to do that we're doing and adjust the things that we've gotten off track in and release the things that you no longer have for us to do. Father, help us to be willing and obedient that we would be the people you have for us to be doing the things that you have for us to do for your glory in faith and in love, showing Christ in us. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So in 
Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46, these two short parables. Jesus is already, the, the mass of crowds were following him. He's already given some other parables. And we talked about what parables are about. But he's now dismissed the crowd, the multitudes, and he's speaking to the disciples. So this is not just for the disciples that were with him there. It's for us who are disciples, who are Christians. You know, a lot of people call themselves Christians. But the name itself, the word itself means Christ follower. And the thing that confuses a lot of people that don't know Jesus is people that say, I'm a Christian, but they don't do what Christ said. And for us, we need to make a determination. Are we going to be fully followers, faithful followers of Jesus in his kingdom, fulfilling his will, his mission, his work, revealing his glory and his goodness to the world that is so desperate and so in need of answers and of truth. Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden, like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he found one pearl of great price or perfect and flawless, went and sold all he had and bought it. Now, this is all about the kingdom of God and two different people in two different uh, situations. And it's about how individuals come to an awareness that all the things they treasured up to this point were really not treasures. It was the best they could get. But they found something that was worth far more. As a matter of fact, it was worth everything they had accumulated up to that point. Can you even imagine that? I can't. There are a lot of things that I have collected and I like, and there's some junk there too. But there are things that I really treasure. And all of a sudden I find something that is more valuable than everything put together and even more. I'm willing to exchange that all for one thing. And this is telling us what that one thing is. It's the kingdom of God. And if the kingdom of God is that valuable, that's why the first man, it says, for joy. We sang about joy. When you get joyful, when you're joyful, when you're elated, you know, you're just over the top. And this is saying these people were over the top realizing the kingdom of God, this treasure, is worth more than everything I have, but I'll give it all away to get this because this is the best thing I could ever have. And I want you to know the kingdom of God the king of the kingdom, Jesus, the will and way of the kingdom is better than anything else we'll ever have. 
And yet every day there is a battle going on. There's a tension in our lives. And that tension is all about what or who is going to become the priority or the newest treasure. And we, we, we determined that the word treasure means a deposit. And it's really about what we look to or who we look to to enrich our lives or to enhance our lives or to elevate our lives. And things do enrich, enhance, and elevate our lives for a season. But the kingdom of God does it for eternity. Do you want it for just a little while or do you want it for eternity? From now through eternity. That's the thing we've got to look at. Because many times, because we're not eternally minded, we sell our future for a momentary experience, for a momentary pleasure, and then pay the price for it later. Jacob and Esau. Jacob sold his birthright because he wanted some food. Just absolutely crazy. And he wept bitterly later on when he realized what he had done. Why? Because he let in that moment his appetite, his desire drive his life. And if we allow appetites, desires, wants to drive our lives, we're going to be selling our future for a momentary pleasure. And weeping bitterly because we did that. And so what, what do we treasure? What, what is our treasure? Because so many things are, but just like the Apostle Paul, he treasured things, and we looked at this last week, he treasured things, and then he realized when he came to Christ, the impact, the impartation, the influence of what Christ did in his life, he said the things I once treasured and valued, they're worthless. I see them no more valuable than dog done. And in Luke, we read in chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 in the Passion Translation. Jesus said to all his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciples. Do you see the distinction between followers and disciples? There are a lot of people that followed Jesus. Why? The Bible tells us some followed him to see miracles. Some followed him for the food. They followed him for a variety of reasons. But as time went on it became clear who were really treasuring him and following him as a treasure and not just for what they could get. You know, it's true in the body of Christ today. There are people that don't get what they told God to give them. You got that. Because we, we, we have no hesitation at times to tell God, this is what I want. Just like what happens when I, I was talking to a doctor this week and he was telling me about how people are telling him what he ought to do. Now, that may not sound peculiar to you, but here we've got somebody naturally that spent a long time and a lot of money getting educated, has a lifetime of experience, and somebody who just heard a commercial is coming in and telling him, I need this. And, and what's the motivation behind the commercial? 
Right. It's very self-serving for the company. We want you to buy our stuff, so go tell your doctor this is what you need. Which is causing a lot of friction in that area of life. But it's not restricted to that. This happens everywhere. Because in our deception, we've come to feel like we know more than we do. That didn't go over very well. But there's only one expert who knows everything about everything, and that's God. And far be it from us to go, go tell God what he ought to do. If we trust him, if we believe he's a good God, if we believe every good and perfect gift comes from him, if we believe that he gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness, why? Why do we have to be so forceful and so demanding with God? Because it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. But why, why would we try and force our hand on God? I would, I would say it's because in my ignorance, I think I know better than God, so I'm going to tell him what he ought to do. But as soon as the words come out of my mouth, I realize how ridiculous that is. So to be followers or followers, if we're followers of Christ, real faithful followers, real disciples, who's in the lead? Jesus. Who's in control? Who, who, who determines where we're going, what we're doing, and, and how we're doing it? God. And that's where we need to make this adjustment. We live in the greatest country in the world. Land of the free, home of the brave. But we are so independent that it carries over into our spiritual life with God. I've got a vote. I've got my say. If that's the case, then Jesus really isn't our Lord. Because do you know what Lord means? It means master. It means supreme in authority. Controller. And all of us tend to not want to give anyone any control because of what's happened in our lives. But when we give God control, the best can happen. Not the easiest not the most enjoyable, not the most understandable, but I'm telling you right now, when you get to eternity and you've allowed God to have your way, you're going to look back on your life and you're going to say, man, I'm so glad I let God have his way because it really is the best. And when we get to eternity and we didn't let God have his way, I believe that's why the Bible tells us that in heaven he's going to wipe away every tear. Because there's accountability. There are things that he had planned for us that we weren't willing to let him have his way. And we missed not only the opportunity, but the impact he had for us to have in our families, in our friends' lives, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in the world. And that's sobering. 
But it's good we hear this this side of heaven so that when we get there, we aren't looking back with tears. Heaven is a joyful place, but it's also a place of reckoning. When we head in, we stand before the Lord himself and we give an answer. For everything we did with everything he gave us, time, talents, opportunities, treasures. Jesus is coming. We need to be prepared. And this is what God is doing. He's preparing the church. Preparing the church. He goes on to say, if you truly desire to be my disciples, you must disown your life completely. Embrace my cross as your own. Surrender to my ways. If you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will lose what you're trying to keep. Now, I didn't say this. Who said these words? Jesus. If anybody ought to know what a true disciple or follower of Christ is, a, a, a faithful follower of Christ is, it ought to be the one that's saying, follow me. Isn't that how he called each of the disciples? He didn't come down and say, hey, listen, I've got a kingdom. I'm going to be reigning for eternity. I'd like you to be a part of it. We're going to have some difficult times here, but it's all going to work out. And, and would you consider? There was none of that with Jesus. He walks up to the fisherman and he says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Walks up to a tax collector. Follow me. 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 And he didn't say when it's convenient. He didn't say when you think you can. When you want to. You see... Many times we read the Bible with our own little additions and our own little subtractions. Last week I told you about Thomas Jefferson's Bible. He took the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, and cut out the parts that he didn't think were accurate. Didn't like. Didn't agree with. Came up with 96 pages. How arrogant that he would take what God put together and say, you know what, this stuff doesn't matter. This is what matters. No, it all matters because it's what God wants us to know. We need to be people of the word. If we're people of the kingdom and we're submitted and committed to the king, then we're under the king's word and his will. And that's the scriptures. And so this is what Jesus says to this crowd. And time goes on. And further down in this chapter, we see that he's addressing some people that are continuing to follow him. In verse 57 through 62. He's now journeying with these people. They're headed to Jerusalem. 
where he's going to die. And, and he is followed by these people. And one guy jumps out and he says to Jesus, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Isn't, isn't that kind of like Peter? Didn't Peter say, I'll, I'll go with you forever? And what did Peter end up doing? Denying Jesus. Because he did not know what was ahead. Because sometimes Christians come into the kingdom for what they can get. Most all of us come into the kingdom for that. I came into the kingdom because my life was a wreck. Not only was my life a wreck, I was destroying other people's lives by the choices I was making. And I didn't want to go to hell. Seemed like the good enough reason for me. But I didn't count the cost. I didn't want to have to pay anything. And you don't have to pay anything to come in to the kingdom. But once we're part of the kingdom, you're part of something that you're supposed to and I'm supposed to and we're supposed to contribute to. And there are a lot of Christians that don't do anything except what benefits their lives. More so now than ever before. It is harder now to get people to serve in areas of ministry because they're so busy with everything they're doing. And I just wonder how that's going to play out when we stand before the Lord. No, no, you know, I didn't work, I didn't help with the children's ministry or the youth or the parking lot or anything else because I was just busy. I have a busy life. I know that's uncomfortable because it was uncomfortable for me when I was confronted by that. I worked a job that I was on call 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And it was nothing compared to pastoring. But I was busy. I had every reason in the world why I could not. And I'm not just saying get involved, but listen. For God, who was letting me know how he wanted me to be used and developed in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, to help build his church. And I finally, I could not handle knowing that I was being evasive to God, disobedient. It was kind of like what happened when, when Demi and I got married, we, we, we knew we wanted to have a family. And I, I called one of the wisest men I knew at the time, my dad. And I said, Dad, we want to have a family, but I can't for the life of me figure out how we can afford these kids. My dad says something that I'll never forget. He said, You'll never be able to figure out how you're going to afford them. But when you do it, you will. 
You know, that's a, that's a truth about the kingdom of God. You're never going to understand how you can do it. But if you will trust God, because you're not doing it alone, if you'll trust God and look to him, he'll do in you what you never believed he could do. I know that's true. It happens here every Sunday. It's happening today. And the only person here that really truly knows how far beyond me this is, is my wife. Because when I met her, I couldn't even talk to her. And to be able to do this is by the grace of God. And it's because I love God more than I am concerned about the fear that tries to work in me. There's no one that ever steps into what God has for them saying, hey, I got this. Because if you're doing that, you're not stepping into what God has for you. Because whatever God has for you is bigger than you. Because the ultimate goal is not that you get the glory, not that I get the glory, not that we get the glory, but that God always gets the glory. That it is, it is absolutely staggering when people look and say, how, how, how can God use that? And I, I've just offended some people. But until we get that attitude of humility, we'll never be able to use, be used fully by God the way he wants because it takes his grace. And grace always points back to the giver. This church is what it is because people have stepped out of their comfort zone, have been willing to do something that's unfamiliar and uncomfortable and, and what they think is beyond them. And yet they did it in faith and confidence that God wouldn't let them fall. And that's whether people are in the parking lot doing it or greeters or ushers, children, prayer, whatever it is. But there's a place for everyone to function and to fit. And we've got to choose to be available. So the guy says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, foxes have holes, birds have, of the air have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Because Jesus knew that what he said, he didn't understand what he was saying. You know, when, when crowds are gathering, things are exciting and miracles are going on. The glory of God's being revealed. It's easy to say, I want to be a part. But understand, whenever God does something, somebody or some group of people paid a price for that to happen. It's just like this. People walk in here. And, and don't even notice. Or maybe they notice what a great facility this is. This is an amazing building. But it didn't just happen. It wasn't like what the evolutionists tell you that, that happens. You know, it just happened. That's offensive. 
for all of us that worked our tails off, joining together to make this what it is. This place was a hole. It was a wreck. Where you're sitting right now, first time we saw this, there was more snow and ice on the inside of this building than there was on the outside. When we finally removed the roof here, which was just the height of the bottom of the soundboard area, that's how tall this building was. We got, got the, the material off the pan decking. This place looked like a disco. There was light shining through a zillion holes. We took 27 large dumpsters of material out of this place before we could even start to build. The floors you're sitting on, and, and I know some of you ladies really enjoy this, were re-poured with heat in them. And that's why it's nice in the wintertime to take your shoes off and feel the heated floors. That was a lot of work. This thing was just some walls. And somebody did all the electrical, pulling all the wires. People did all the block work and the brick work, and painting and, and everything. And it was amazing. But it took some people a lot of sacrifice, a lot of dedication. There were days when we came in here, it was so cold in here, we didn't want to be in here. And yet people were willing to do that. Not just for themselves, for everyone that would come. And that's what we need to live like. Did Jesus come to earth and die on the cross for himself? Who did he do it for? All of us. That's the example. You know, we hear Jesus say, the works I do, you'll do and greater. And we want to do the miracles, don't we? And we can if we show ourselves faithful in the little things. And that's what God has for us. But if Jesus were, was willing to give up his life for other people's lives to be enriched and enhanced and elevated, then we should too. And yet this is not the norm in our society today. This is, this is absolutely countercultural. It is not the standard even in the church. The more pastors I talk to these days, they're finding it harder and harder to do ministry because they don't have people that are willing to step up and step into what God has for them that they've never done before. But listen to this. If you step into something that God is directing you into that you've never done before, do you know you're going to have a first row seat to seeing God work miracles? in and through your life. I hadn't planned on this, but I'm going to do it anyways because I just want to be obedient. This man right here. You, you, you can't hide. <laughs> Pastor Jeremy has had a huge step 
It's a stretch. He's doing things he's never done before, but he's trusting God to do it. And I will tell you, he is doing a great job. I need you to do something, Pastor Jeremy. No, it's really important that you hear this, not from me. I want you to tell them how you are able to do what you're doing, what you've learned, that who is it that's doing this? I'm not doing it anyway, I'll tell you that. I couldn't. There's no way. The things that I've seen in the last six months, been part of, there's no way I could do it on my own. I've had God with me. I've had Pastor Jeff with me the whole way. Pastor Dave is with me at least twice a week on Zoom going through stuff. There's a lot goes on behind our secretaries that help do things. What goes on here is nothing but a miracle. I'm, I'm not joking at all. And this big bad Marine <laughs> is not one that's overly emotional all the time, but if you were as close as I am, you would see the tears of gratitude and amazement that are in his eyes. Thank you. You'll never know the joy that God has for you to know until you step into the unknown. Not blindly. Not without forethought and determination. God, what do you have for me? And really meaning it. God, what do you have for me? Not, I'll follow you wherever you'll go. And then him saying, you better count the cost. Because if you're going to say it, you need to follow it up and do it. Because God is going to take you into things that he will show himself strong on your behalf. Goes on to say, then he said to another, follow me. Now the first one told him he was going to follow him. And he dealt with him because he said, I don't know if you can do it. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient. We don't have places that are, are, are what you're used to. Are you willing to put all that aside? You know, when I see this, I think about the people that are missionaries that we support. They have left the comfort, the convenience, the security and stability of this country and gone into countries that are radically different. They counted the cost and they trusted Christ and went. Next one, he said, follow me. And go ahead, Cheryl. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, that seems okay, right? If you got to take care of business. But most scholars, many of them agree that the way this is written in the original language indicates that his father wasn't dead yet. Not even sick. That what he was saying is, I'll follow you, but let me wait until, and this is tough to hear, until my father dies and I can get my inheritance and I'll be financially stable that I can follow you.
A lot of us, we, we, we call Jesus Lord, but what is really master of our lives is finances. The Bible says we can't serve God and money. Can't serve two masters. God's word says he'll provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he sent them out and said, don't take an extra coat. Don't take a bag to put more stuff in. Go and trust me. And you'll be provided for. Frank and Kim. You know, Frank got introduced here. Kim takes care of the hospitality. When they were here and recognized God calling them to go to Bible school, they had no guarantees. They prayed and they were obedient. Dr. Cho, the pastor of the biggest church in the world, hundreds of thousands of people. They asked him, how, how, how did you do this? Now, this is in Korea. He said, I pray and I obey. No, no, it's got to be more than that. No, I pray and I obey. If we'll get God's wisdom and guidance and direction and walk it out, then it's up to God to take care of us doing his will, and he will. Where God guides, he'll provide. And Frank and Kim stepped out, packed everything up, and went to Oklahoma to go to Bible school. And God provided Oh, but, but God loves Frank and Kim more than anybody else. You're all his favorite. Oh, how can he do that? He's God. God honors faith. Faith's focus is on God and his word. Allowing God to have the priority, allowing his word to have the preeminence in our lives. And so this guy, this guy's waiting for financial stability. You know what? If you're waiting for all the right environment, it'll never happen in this life. Because everything we do, we need to do by faith. That's how we please God. Not when everything is smooth. I understand it all. The Bible doesn't tell us you have to understand it. It says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Not a suggestion. This is a command. And always acknowledge him. Seek him. Look to him. Listen for him. And he will direct your steps. A lot of us are dealing with a lot of confusion and and instability because we're not trusting in the Lord. We're trusting in our spreadsheets. We're trusting in all these other things. Are you telling me I'm supposed to be irresponsible? No, the most responsible thing you and I can do is to trust God. It's very 
unfamiliar to us because who have we trusted in most of all? Ourselves. Or the experts. But there is an expert above all experts, and that's God. Somebody defined an expert as a little drip under pressure. You know, they, they, they come off as they know what they're talking about. The only one that knows everything that they're talking about is God. We're all, the rest of us are guessing most of the time. Jesus said to this guy, and this seems so harsh, let the dead bury their own dead. But you, you go and preach the kingdom of God. God's given a great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all men. That is not just for a select few. It's for every one of us, and every one of us is going to answer to God. And why am I saying this? To make you uncomfortable? No, I'm saying this because we are moving closer and closer to the return of the Lord, and we still have opportunity to do what God told us to do. We are all supposed to be reaching the world around us, not just by our offerings where you see the flags when you come in and, and it's impressive of all the countries that we are invested and involved in because we're investing in people that have been willing to go there. But we personally have a responsibility to reach people for Christ. And you may go your whole life sowing seeds and watering other seeds. You may never pray with somebody to give their life to the Lord. But if you're faithful, if I'm faithful to sow seeds of God's love and God's truth and water seeds that have already been sown, man, great. The Bible says great is your reward in the kingdom of heaven. Tells him to preach the kingdom. And another said, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me go. Do you notice how the second and third person says, Lord? Now, in the original translation, in the original words, it's Lord, Lord. And it wasn't because he said, Lord, Lord, but Lord, Lord in that, in the original translation is, or in the original text is showing emphasis. They were really serious about your Lord. You are Lord. How many times do we call him Lord? And yet is he really supreme in authority in our lives? Controller. Is he really master? Is he the one that we are choosing to follow? Are we dragging him along until we get way over our head and then we say, help? See, this is, this is the time. This is the time to make these adjustments. Don't wait. If Jesus comes tomorrow, which everything we see wouldn't be a surprise. Have you been faithful? Have you been obedient? Have you been willing to step out of the boat like Peter? Have you been willing to go to the lion's den like Daniel? 
because you treasure God more than anything else. Somebody said it this way, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And that's sobering and it's tough. This third guy, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And look what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, many scholars believe because of the way this was written in the original language. This guy was saying, I want to get everything set up at home. I want to make sure everything's running perfectly. When that happens, how many of you have had everything set up at home and running perfectly? Okay, we're all honest here because that's never happened in my household despite my wife's efforts. It's an impossibility. He's saying, I will, but first, there's something before you being my Lord. And I'm just going to stop right here because I want to ask you a question. Close your eyes, please. Are you willing? Are you daring enough to ask God to reveal to you if there are things that you have put before him, you have treasured before him, you're looking to something or someone to enrich or enhance or elevate your life more than him. Because that's a deception. And where there's deception, there's loss. We're losing our and what God really has that's the best. And if we're really willing to let God search us, and we've had that as a priority, shared with us at the beginning of a year, search us, search our hearts, O Lord, show us if there's anything in us that's hindering you from having your way. Because it's like what Frank taught an idol. And we have idols that we're unaware of. And no one knows our hearts like God does. And he can show us not to hurt us, but to heal us. Not to restrict us, but to release us. To the life he has always had for us that is over the top. Abundant, fulfilling. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every one of us here, those that are listening and watching online. Father, I pray that you would show us. Father, I pray that every person here wants to know what you know, not just what we know. What you want, not just what we want. Lord, you showed us that there's a struggle. In the garden, you didn't want what your father wanted. And you prayed for something different to happen. If this cup can pass away, let it pass away. But, but not your will, his will be done. 
Father, we're going to have. We know we're going to have. As long as we are in this life and have this flesh, we're going to have these moments in time where we're going to struggle because we, we want our will. But Father, help us to overcome and deny ourselves and pick up your cross and say, but not our will, your will be done. And follow you, Lord. Father, I pray for boldness. I pray for us as the body of Christ to be willing to step out of the boat, of the comfort, the convenience, the familiarity, the known that we've become accustomed to and step into the life that you have prepared for every one of us that is abundant and overflowing and impacting in ways that we have desired and dreamed of but couldn't imagine happening. But Father, you have for every one of your children to be overwhelmingly more than conquerors, overcoming our own desires and coming in to fulfill your desires and your will, your way, your plan, and your destiny for us. Father, we look longingly at people that are outstanding, that are accomplished, that are impacting, and imparting and helping lives. And yet that's what you have for every one of us. Help us to be courageous enough to want you, your kingdom, and your will more than our way. And Father, I thank you that what you've said is true. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, and love and a sound mind. And if that's what you want this morning, here and online, just let God know. He can hear all of us at the same time. But don't say it if you don't mean it. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the good work that you've begun in us. Because you said you would be at work in us and we need you to work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know what? God can't work where he's not invited. And if you have never, ever turned to Christ the Bible says repent, which is turning around from running our own lives and turning to him and letting him run our life. There's a beginning to our life in Christ, but there is no end. And so, again, if I could have you just close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Christ, you've never repented, turned to God to give him your life so that he can give you his life. I want to pray with you this morning. And I'm not going to ask you to pray alone. I'm not going to call you out. We're going to pray together. But if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Anyone else? 
those of you at home, this, this is the same for you. There's no time or distance in the Spirit. Let's pray this prayer together, all together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus, who came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, and was raised glorious and victorious, now seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Lord Jesus, I thank you for forgiving me, for coming into my life, being Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours, you are mine. Thank you for saving me. Lord Jesus, guide me, govern me, guard me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, let somebody know. If you prayed online, let us know. Go to the website, reslifeny.org. Go down to where the prayer requests are. Uh, let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want us to contact you, give us some contact information. Now, before we dismiss today, I just want to say uh, 